But we are looking at Matthew 8 this morning. Once again, we're looking at Matthew 8. And we are only going to be looking at about four or five verses this morning um, as, a, as a hope that for those of you who are going to be here all day, we're just kind of hoping to uh, give you a little extra time for lunch. And uh, I don't, I don't, I told the worship team, I don't feel that it's dishonoring to the Lord's day uh, to kind of abbreviate things this morning. So that way, uh, those of you who are literally going to be here all day, you can get a little bit more of a break. So, um, so that's what we're going to do this morning. And let's just go ahead. And uh, I would invite you, um, I know you just sat down but I want to invite you to stand one more time. Sorry to yo-yo you, but uh, let's go ahead and stand and uh, give reverence to the reading of God's word this morning. And since it is such a short passage, let's just go ahead and read it together from the board. Now, when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to depart to the other side of the sea. And then a scribe came to him and said, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, the foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. And another of the disciples said to him, Lord, permit me first to go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, follow me and allow the dead to bury their own dead. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. I want to just give you kind of a a look ahead of where we're going. Um, if you have your copy of the Word of God open, just turn a couple of pages over very quickly uh, to Matthew chapter 9, verses 36 through 38. Because I want to give you kind of a preview of things to come. In Matthew 9, 36, Jesus says, And seeing the crowds, he felt compassion for them. And watch this, because they were distressed and downcast like sheep without a shepherd. And one of the things I shared with you uh, is that as we're beginning this new section of Matthew, that the focus is on the growth of the kingdom or uh, as we are applying it, the growth of the discipleship, the, the growth of the disciple and, and really how we are to go out, the mission of the disciple, if you will. And that's what this whole section is leading up to. It's, you've got 10 miracles that are giving us aspects of what the kingdom, of, kingdom growth looks like. And then that's all leading up to the, um, this um, uh, chapter 10, where he gives another discourse where he is going to tell us, give us instructions for going out and pursuing and being sent for the growth of the kingdom. This is all connected. Matthew's not just throwing random stories together. He has a purpose for each and every one. And so as you go on, he looks in verse, seven, in verse 37, he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. And what we see in these 10 miracles is really uh, being summarized for us in verse 36 here. That he is looking out and in these 10 miracles, we find people who are distressed. They are harassed. We see demon-possessed people. We see disciples caught in a storm. We see all of these people who have chaos in their life. And we see people who are downcast. They are helpless. We see them sick. We see them with fevers. We see them, we see them with leprosy. 
and we're even going to see one that is dead. You can't get more helpless than that, right? And so, and we're gonna see that Jesus sees those who are harassed and those who are helpless, and he is sending out his church to go to those to whom he wants to have compassion. We saw last week that the first part of that is that we need to understand that we are reaching those who are outside the kingdom. We saw a leper, we saw a Roman centurion, and we saw Peter's mother-in-law sick with a fever, which rendered her unclean. And now this morning, we see this, this, this emphasis on following. You're gonna see that word follow repeated over and over and over again throughout this next kind of series of stories that Matthew is giving. And what I want you to see is that he says, pray. He says that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Here's what I want you to see. Go back to Matthew chapter eight, verse one for a second. And Jesus came down from the mountain and who is following him? Large crowds, right? Now look at the beginning of our text this morning. And when Jesus saw what? A crowd. Now we're getting a little smaller. And this really even goes all the way to chapter 10, verse one, where it whittles down to 12 disciples. That's it, 12 disciples. I think what we're seeing Matthew doing uh, intentionally here is a, is a whittling down. It's an intentional narrowing to those who are sent to go out into the kingdom. It is more, far more effective for Jesus to have 12 disciples than it is for him to have 12,000 religious consumers. And that's the emphasis that Jesus is giving here. Many want the blessings of the kingdom, but not the mission. In fact, uh, when we get to Matthew 22, probably a long time from now, uh, but in Matthew 22, we see he gives this parable of those who are in the wedding feast, and he ends that parable with this verse that many are called, few are chosen. And we're seeing that being narrowed down here to where in chapter 10, verse one, we find the calling of the 12 apostles. And then we see them sent out into the world. And so with this emphasis of following Christ, we need to understand what does that look like? And more to the point, what we're gonna see this morning is what it does not look like. We're gonna see two would-be disciples who, even though the text doesn't really say, I, I, think, there's a, I think there is a legitimate implication here that these two would-be disciples are rejected. They are those who come to Jesus and say, I will follow you, and yet there is something in the way. And remember, we talked about last week that when it comes to growth in the kingdom, we need to understand, we saw life in the kingdom in chapters four through seven with that great Sermon on the Mount. Now we're seeing growth of the kingdom, and we need to understand that part of life in the kingdom is understanding that we are sent, that we are on mission we are not the church triumphant. We are the church militant. We are, we are people who are sent out to, to, uh, to the purpose of expansion of the kingdom. That is our purpose. That is why we're here. And so the question we have to ask ourselves is, is what is our priority? Is it following Christ or is it something else? Is it something else? We see two examples here in these would-be disciples, and I hope you'll forgive my unoriginality, but I heard a sermon on this several years ago that 
the guy gave names to these guys that I just thought were absolutely great. So we're gonna borrow his names for them, okay? So this morning, we're going to meet Mr. Too Hasty and Mr. Too Hesitant. <laughs> and, uh, and if you go to Luke, you're also gonna see Mr. Too Homesick, but uh, Matthew doesn't tell us about him. So, uh, so we're gonna look at Mr. Too Hasty and Mr. Too Hesitant this morning. But what we're gonna see is that in the kingdom of God to follow Christ, we must first give him our total allegiance. Total allegiance. Look what he says here. This Mr. Too Hasty comes to him and says, teacher, Lord, rabbi, I will follow you wherever you go. Boy, boy, deacons, would you not love a church volunteer like this? Isn't this someone that, you know, we've got some former pastors in here. Can you remember when you were a pastor and someone came up to you like this and I will do whatever you want me to do, I'm your guy. And we just drool over people like this, right? I mean, we just, I mean, this is like our, this is like our dream here. In fact, we have to watch ourselves because my temptation is to overuse people like this and burn them out. So I have to be, I have to be very careful with this, right? I mean, you would think that this is the dream of Jesus. He comes to you, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go, whatever you want me to do. I'm your guy, put me on your speed dial. I'm, I'm the man. I'm all that and a bag of chips. And on the surface, this seems like such a good thing. But Jesus' answers reveal that he sees something here that we don't see. He sees something in his heart that perhaps should give us a little pause when someone comes up to us and says something like this. Perhaps just a little a little hesitance. Jesus says to him, and by the way, um, we usually read from uh, ESV, but the NASB, maybe you saw that little star, that little asterisk right before Jesus says. That's a, uh, that's a verb form in the Greek that tells you this is important. You need to pay attention to this. It's one of the tools that NASB gives you in the text. And Jesus is saying to him, is, is what you might say, Jesus is saying to him, the foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. You know what's ironic about this? The man says, I will follow you everywhere, Jesus says, but I have nowhere. I will follow you wherever you wanna go, but Jesus says, you come with me, there will be nowhere for you to lay your head. You see, this man had all the haste in the world. He had all the urgency in the world. He had all the volunteerism in the world. But the one thing he did not do is count the cost. He didn't count the cost. And beloved, if we are going to follow Christ, we must count the cost. We must understand that following Christ is going to cost us something you see, Mr. Too Hasty, he saw Jesus's miracles. He saw the great crowds. He saw the, the amazing teaching. And more than likely by this time in Jesus's ministry, we think he's probably seen him put down the Pharisees a time or two, right? 
And so now Jesus is the hottest thing in, in the land. He is the most popular thing going on. He's the greatest fad. He is the, he is the most, he's the biggest celebrity that you can think of. And Mr. Too Hasty, he wanted the notoriety of following the new fad. He wanted the notoriety of following the new celebrity in town. Boy, we love celebrities, don't we? We got entire channels dedicated to them. You can't check out at the grocery store without finding out about who, you know, J-Lo's marrying this week and who, uh, uh, you know, just name your pick, right? We love celebrities. You can't look at your Facebook wall without finding out some news of, of what some celebrity has done this time. And we just eat this up. In fact, we think we know them. We, we identify with them. And we think they're our friends. And they're not. We don't know these people from Adam. But we so identify him. And that's what this guy wants. He wants the notoriety of following a celebrity. But he doesn't want the cost that comes with it. And you see, beloved, it always costs something to follow somebody, no matter who it is. There is always a cost, always a cost. I have a friend who, uh, we had ninth grade science together. Teacher's name was Doug Upshaw. He was a wonderful teacher. I mean, he made physical science come alive. I didn't know that was possible, but he did it. And it was, and he, it was awesome. And he so inspired my friend that today she is a science teacher because she wanted to follow Mr. Upshaw. But you know what? She had to go to school. She had to go to college. She had to learn science. She had to learn education. And now every year she has to get so many hours to continue her teacher license, which by the way, she has to pay for. There was a cost to follow that teacher, amen? Um, I have another friend who uh, her little brother was, uh, had a lot of medical problems and they had a family doctor who was just so awesome in taking care of him and he inspired her. I wanna be a doctor so I can do for other people what doctor, I forgot his name, did for my brother. But she had to go to college. She had to go to med school. She had to go through residency. She had to go through all of that. It cost something for her to become a doctor like the one she was following. I don't agree with his politics, but uh, Bill Clinton used to always talk about how he met JFK one time and JFK was his inspiration to become president. But there was a cost to becoming president. You see, it always costs something to follow someone. And did you notice that the greater the dignity of the office, the greater the notoriety of the one you're following, the more the cost is. It costs a lot more. It costs a lot to become a teacher, but it costs a lot more to become a doctor. And it costs a lot more, infinitely more, to become president. And so doesn't it make sense to follow the greatest teacher, to follow the greatest healer, to follow the king of kings and the Lord of lords? It's going to cost you the greatest price. Nothing short of your life. But by the way, did you notice that the rewards are directly proportionate to who you follow? What happens to you when you follow a teacher? You get to live like a teacher. Not great, but it's there. What happens when you become a, follow a doctor? You get to live like a doctor. What happens when you become president? You get to live like the president. That's pretty cool. 
And doesn't it make sense that when you pay the greatest price to follow the greatest teacher, the greatest physician, and the greatest Lord of Lords, King of Kings, it's going to cost you the greatest price, but it's going to give you the greatest reward, eternal life. So count the cost. Count the cost. Count the cost. Don't just follow the new fad. Don't just follow whatever the latest things are. Don't follow the greatest celebrity. Count the cost and reap eternal life. Beloved, there is nothing on this earth that is worth losing your soul over. I know many of you are taking sermon notes. Grab your, grab your pencil or pen. Just put it up to your eye like this. How long does that pencil look? It looks pretty long, right? You do it like that? Let me ask you this. How long is that pencil compared to the rest of the room? That pencil is your life. The rest of the room is eternity. Which one are you gonna live for? This one, hey, it looks long. It does. But not in comparison to eternity. Which one are you gonna look for? You can put the pencils down now. So anyway, so <laughs> that's Mr. Too Hasty. But what about Mr. Too Hesitant in verse 21, 22? He comes to him and says, another of his disciples said to him, Lord, permit me first to go and bury my father. And Jesus is saying to him, again, you see that asterisk there. And Jesus is saying to him, follow me and allow the dead to bury their own dead. Whoa. What is this talking about? Okay, I know, Randy, I know following Jesus is gonna cost me everything, but does this mean that I can't even go to my father's funeral? Is that what it's saying? In fact, guys, and believe it or not, I actually know of a church that refused to let their pastor have time off to go to his dad's funeral, and they did it because of this verse, right? Is that what it's talking about? Well, there's some history here you need to understand, okay? When you look at Jewish burial customs, there was actually two funerals at this time. The first funeral was immediate. The Jews did not embalm. They, they put uh, their loved ones in graves immediately. And so there was no embalming. You remember when Lazarus died and Jesus said, open the tomb and, and, uh, and Mary says, Lord, by now, it's been four days, by now he stinks, you know? That wasn't a problem in Egypt. It's a problem in Israel, Okay. And so they would bury them almost immediately. And then from that point, there, it, start, it kicked off a time, usually of about one year, where there was this intense period of mourning in which specifically the son of the father had all the responsibilities of the family. And what he had to do was at the end of that, for, uh, end of that year, he had to go back into the family tomb where they laid his father. And by this time, what would have happened? the body would have decomposed. And so there's nothing left there but bones. And what he would have had to do is he would have had to collect the bones and he would have had to put them in a box that's about, that's about yay big, and that's called an ossuary. You can see these in museums, okay? And what this man is saying is that, Lord, I will follow you, but my dad has died and I've got this period where I have to take care of the family responsibilities. I have to go through mourning and then I have to put my dad's bones in a box. But after that, then 
I will follow you. In fact, um, I spent a lot of time in Jewish sources this week for the seminar that I'm in looking up other stuff and I actually found a uh, tract in the Mishnah. It's, uh, it's in the tract Sanhedrin, Mishnah Sanhedrin. And they actually taught that when the body decomposed, that meant that all of the dead person's sins were atoned for. And so once his body was completely gone, then he was sinless. He was now worthy to be in the presence of Abraham and be in the presence of the kingdom. So it's based on a false theology, number one. But it's also based on a mammoth task, a mammoth responsibility that this man had to fulfill in his family. And keep in mind, this is an honor-shame society. So for him to refuse to do this would have brought immense shame upon him. The community would have rejected him for this. And so he says, Lord, I will follow you, but first let me take care of this. Anybody in here ever said something like that before? Lord, I'll live for the kingdom, but I've, I've got this thing. I've got to figure this out first. I, I, want to, I want to be on mission for Christ, but my life's not in order. I've got to get my life in order. Then I can be a witness for Christ. I've heard that one before. I will follow Christ. I will, get, I will, be, I will be faithful in, in the fellowship. I will be faithful. I will, I will do whatever Christ wants me to do. But I've got this big job opportunity. I've got this big thing over here. And let me get a hold of that first. Then I will give my life to Christ. Maybe you're a teenager in here. I just want to have fun right now. Then when I get out of college, then, or when I have kids, then I'll, have ser then I'll get serious about Jesus. Often we say, how often we hear that in youth groups. And what Jesus is saying is, that's not good enough. That is not following. Let the dead bury their own dead. What does that mean? Usually the body was laid in a family tomb, there were other ossuaries there, other boxes of bones. And Jesus is essentially saying, let his bones join the other bones. You follow me. You follow me. You see, it's based on a false theology, but it's also placing a priority above the kingdom. Son has already honored his father. In other words, he's already obeyed the fifth commandment. He's already done what he was supposed to do. He's already honored his father. But now on the hope that his father is being atoned for, he's waiting to put him in the box. And Jesus is saying, that is not going to atone for him. You've honored your father. Let the dead bury the own dead, their own dead. Instead, you follow me and teach people how they can truly be atoned for their sins only through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? And so... You go preach the kingdom. Stop waiting for his body to decompose. What about his responsibility? He would have been massively shamed in his community. But Jesus says, don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. You follow me. Who would you rather offend? You know, we talk about this, especially in times when we have to enact church discipline. I'm, 
I'm so glad we don't have to do that very often, but sometimes we do. And there's always a fear that if we do this, we will offend someone. Beloved, who would you rather offend? Would you rather offend someone or would you rather offend Christ by disobeying him? Which would you rather do? Lord, I'll follow you. Just, just let me first figure this out. Let me take care of this. Then I will follow you. You know what's so sad is that oftentimes God places those burdens God places those responsibilities, things that we cannot handle. He lets us come to those things in our life precisely so that it will draw us closer to him. It will deepen our dependence on him. It will deepen our love for him. Oh, beloved, don't use that to push him away. Don't use that to, as an excuse to not follow Dad, use it for what the Lord intended it to, to make you more like Christ. To make you more like Jesus Christ. Don't push him away. First Peter chapter five, verses six and seven. I think sums this up very well. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Beloved, don't let that burden, don't let that responsibility, don't let that fear, don't let that entertainment, don't let that pleasure, don't let any of those things become an excuse to push Jesus away or delay following him. Don't let any of those things, listen, there will always be another burden. There will always be another sin to defeat. There will always be another habit to break. There will always be another project at work. There will always be another final to take in class. There will always be another entertainment to do. There will always be another hobby to pursue. There will always be another sport to play, but there will not always be an opportunity to follow Christ. Don't play with fire here. Would you rather follow Christ? Would you rather follow your own pleasures? If you are waiting for the perfect opportunity to follow Jesus, then you will never follow Jesus. There's an old proverb, you know when the best time to plant an apple tree was? 30 years ago. You know what the second time, best time to plant an apple tree is? Today. You know when the best time was to start following Jesus? Years ago. But you know when the second best time to start following Jesus is? Today. Today. Don't push him away. Don't wait for another Don't try to follow the next fad or the next cool thing or whatever the latest and greatest is, thinking that treating, treating Jesus as if he's a passing fad. Don't do that. Let him change your life. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Will you commit to follow him this morning? you commit to cast all other things aside and follow him. 
Our Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for these words you have given us that you inspired Matthew to give us, to record. We thank you for the historical events that happened. Father, we don't know the outcome of these two men. We don't know whether they followed you or not. You, cho- you didn't choose to tell us. But you, cho- but you did choose to tell us about them in order to force us into a decision. Will we follow you? Will we follow a fad? Will we delay and push you aside with empty promises that one day, someday in the future, we'll do it? Or will we commit to you today? Maybe there's someone here who needs to be baptized. Maybe there's someone here who needs to be saved. Maybe there's, maybe there's someone here who needs to join the church. Maybe there's someone here who needs to use some of the resources that uh, have been given to them through the, through the recent conferences and such to, to begin seeking a deeper prayer life, to be, begin seeking a cleansing, Lord. Maybe whatever it is, will they commit to it today? Don't delay. You've delayed long enough, haven't you? Don't delay. Let's stand together. I'm just gonna ask you to keep your heads bowed and just reflect. And Is there anything in your life that is holding you back? Are you building barns of great things of the world and paying the price of your soul to do so? Or will you commit to him? Will you follow him? Let's play. If you have a need this morning, I I do invite you to come. Randy, I wanna do this. I just need to know how. I need prayer. Maybe you wanna join the church. Maybe you need to be baptized. Maybe whatever it is, I invite you to come. Don't delay. This is not a fad we're talking about. This is a life change that is enabled by grace. And if you are feeling that pull, if you're feeling that draw, maybe that's not you. Maybe that is the Holy Spirit. Whatever it is, just come on. Don't be afraid. You're among friends here. So just come on.